Hello and welcome to episode 35 of the Strength Ratio Podcast. I'm your host, co-host, as always, Zachary Greenwald with fellow co-host, as always, Kyle Klachenko. Hey guys. How's everyone doing? Because they can respond. Great. <laughs> Today is a reflection episode. Uh, where just we just that out? I've never heard anyone say it. It just came out. Uh, <laughs> damn. Uh, today's a reflection episode in which we reflect on the past three to four to maybe five episodes, discuss what uh, our guests have helped us become a little bit more solid on, what we've learned, uh, and with what we've learned, what we've implemented already with our clients. And I think we should kick it off with nutrition. We've had one nutritional podcast. In the last couple. In the last couple. We've had more. But in the last uh, three to five podcasts, we've had one. We had Dr. Gabriel Fundaro from Renaissance Periodization join us to talk about the gut microbiome. And this is an area of health or was an area of nutritional science, more specifically, that I had a lot of questions pertaining to and, and I think ultimately Gabriella helped us uh, really focus on the fact that the foundational sciences are still there. They're still, or they're not really going anywhere at the moment. And that the hype, and we'll talk about what we mean by the nutritional sciences, but that the hype around gut health in terms of specific foods you'd eat for a training. healthier gut yeah. or, or training for a healthier gut, that's just not really confirmed right now. Um, we know that loosely speaking for a healthy gut and to also fuel performance, we're talking about lean meats. We're talking fruits and veggies, whole grains, and all of that under the umbrella of moderation. Uh, perhaps pushing carbs a bit more so for the, the endurance athlete. And we'll talk about endurance as we get into our review of our, our podcast with Alex Harrison. But yeah, she, she really did let us know that there's a lot that they're still researching. But as for what we know now, we can actually do the gut microbiome harm with chronic high-intensity exercise. Or, or as she also said, just stress in general. So I think... Which would be... The high-intensity would be a stressor. Yeah. Um, I think, as Zach was saying, she really simplified everything and made it um, known that, as with many things, uh, the, like Zach was saying, foundational sciences or foundational um, nutrition that you learn uh, really adds to the gut health as well. So he mentioned that carb uh, complex carbohydrates, um, make sure you're eating enough fiber in oh, there, yes. uh, but, not, but not too much fiber. So... I've always heard somewhere uh, in the realm of 30 to 40 grams uh, per person. And I'm pretty sure that doesn't fluctuate even based on body weight. I'm sure it would go up a little bit for much larger individuals. Uh, but yeah, just you know, making sure you're eating a, a nice whole foods diet, controlling your stress, uh, both just in life and with exercise, um, and uh, not stressing too much about it in general because it's just one of those things that's a hot topic right now and people are 
trying to cling to to maybe sell uh, supplements or sell a training plan or, or something within the industry uh, and that you know even if it may come out 20 30 years from now like there is something but at this time you can be perfectly healthy with very simple things and it's probably the fact that that's true mm -hmm. yeah. So, yeah so you can basically hold on your your fecal swaps and your probiotics and the, and all the the MCT uh, oils. I think where where we have to mm -hmm. try to work to debunk perhaps programming topics or exercise selection. She's working to combat these yeah. these flashy products. And, and as with everything, there's very very specific cases to where those things may work. Mm -hmm. um, it just came that came to mind because you mentioned the the fecal transplant. I yep. know there has been some. And I can't remember exactly instances for some medical dis uh, disease or diagnosis mm -hmm. where that is very important and has shown to help. Uh, but if that's the case, I would get a very specific diagnosis or someone that really knows what they're doing, not just uh, a guru of sorts, but someone who has some letters beside their name from a accredited university to make that decision. Yeah. And, and until we're seeing these, you know, double-blind, peer-reviewed, large sample size studies, you just want to make sure, which, you know, all of that in our field, especially the larger sample sizes, is hard, hard to come by. You, you, you want the literature to begin to build over time. And, and mm -hmm. this particular literature, uh, it's, it's really just in its infancy. And like Kyle was saying, if you've tried something, even if there's no one to say that it's placebo, then... I say keep up with it if you find it works. Uh, we would never tell you otherwise. And if you hear anything on the show, and if it sounds like we're poking fun or, or like joking, but it's something that's helped you, uh, let us know because we definitely want to have that tone. Uh, because mm -hmm. like Kyle said, you know there will be outliers to everything. Uh, the placebo effect is real. It is not bad. And like we mentioned or had discussed with James Hoffman when he was on the show, is that we don't want to kind of sit on like the physiology high horse mm -hmm. where if someone in that, if someone is taking something or uh, whether that's a supplement or implementing something for recovery or performance and as the coach, you know that the literature is pointing largely towards placebo. Well, it's not necessarily unethical to let mm -hmm. them continue doing that if they feel it is helpful as long as they're not slowing themselves down on their path to their goals or getting too sidetracked. Yeah, and um, I just want to mention really quickly before we move on to maybe more of what James is saying, so that would be the next episode in our in our little series here, um, is if you want more of that information from Gabrielle, we had a really simple infographic on Instagram that you go check out that kind of summarizes all the things that she was saying. Um, but I think that's a really good point. Mm -hmm. uh, and that was one of the best things about James's podcast, I think, is, uh, and even with, you know, in a consultation I just had with Alex just last week, Alex Harrison, uh, we're also going to touch on, you know, sometimes you can have all the physiological reasoning for things, mm -hmm. but it doesn't happen that way. Yeah. And he said that uh, in terms of high intensity training um, and fatigue management and things. And, uh, I'll get more in-depth on that later, but if things are working, things are working, even if it seems weird. Um, and we don't want to get on someone if that's the case. Yeah. yeah. 
Well, that's where evidence, or that's right, that's where personal experience rounds out an evidence-based approach. Meaning an evidence-based approach is one that involves not just the best literature or what is most current uh, and best, but uh, also your, your personal experiences too. Yeah. Have, let's just, in a side, have you, do you have any personal experiences that, that have improved before we go down the, the, the programming uh, or the, the, the past episodes? And clients or no, no, in yourself. That improved what? Anything. Nutrition, training, anything? Oh, from these episodes? Yeah. Just like you specifically. Um, I think, oh, the, well, it's not necessarily these. That these, could perhaps be a transition sentence into our next sentence. I'm not sure what you're getting at. What I'm saying is, <laughs> have any of the episodes that we're about to discuss worked for you in your own training? Zach's trying to be uh, get me to say something, but it's one of those instances where I'm not sure. We're trying to wave like. It's like, it's like when a, a teacher asks you. I'm just trying to serve question. you. I'm just trying to serve you up. Have any of our guests helped you in your training? I think all of them. Yeah. Well, a okay, so tell tell. Uh, well, first I was just gonna say <laughs> what I was gonna say, but then you came in. Was I think one of the biggest things that this podcast has done because you know we also use this to basically ask questions to people that we. Um, think are very smart and we follow in the industry and help educate ourselves a little bit more as well because we can have these really good conversations and it's just allowed me to be almost more relaxed in my training and know that things are going to come along I just have to take the time and, and take the process to do that um, yeah that actually brings up like a really good point because you know every couple months there's a big um, I say that there's a big hot topic in the field. Mm -hmm. It's like if you don't have this one thing down and it's never really like a high priority piece, then you are screwed. Yeah. I, I was just talking with one of my athletes. Well, yeah, go ahead, go ahead. I but about something like even when it's important, and this goes before you think of being relaxed with training, we know that sleep is very important. Mm -hmm. But if work and life allow for six hours of sleep, five and a half hours of sleep. Mm -hmm. It doesn't mean you stop. Like you can almost take a relaxed approach and just, mm -hmm. you know, maybe work on those things to achieve better sleep over time, but, but not abandon ship, like still stick to your, your basics yeah. and maybe adjust as needed, but you well, don't have to. Well, what I was also going to say is it, it's, it's also been, I guess the relax is more around knowing what my priorities are in training and being okay if I'm not doing something. And I think this is, um, Maybe. Like if I can shoulder press more than you, but you're not shoulder pressing currently, like you shouldn't add shoulder presses on top of your program if that's not a priority. Yeah, or like how Zach always does calves because his calves are so small. That's a, I do them because it's a high priority piece. Um, no, I, I was just gonna say, and uh, I'm, I'm sure this is you know happens with um, many times with younger individuals, but also uh, very Says much the 24 yeah, year old. Uh, also the CrossFitter or someone who, if you're just seeking concurrent training goals, is you feel if you're not doing at least a little bit of something that you're going to, to lose it. Uh, I just thought of uh, the 40-year-old version. What is it? the quote? If you, uh, is it true that if you don't use it, you lose it? Ah. Uh, yeah. <laughs> can you back this with physiology? That's my, Well, it sounds like you might not lose it. Well, no, you won't. And the other thing is that having these priorities many, many times um, allows you to really in, 
mean, you increase a certain attribute and then it's really easy to keep that around as you switch to something else. And just knowing that right now I'm taking this time to focus on that, but it doesn't mean that I'm not going to get better at this other thing in the future uh, is, is, yeah, just relaxing and calming and like, okay, I just, I know I need to focus on this and this is my goal at this so, time. So really what you're saying is being confident in your individual needs analysis. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yes. And, and, and that's largely what, what James was talking about in his episode about uh, needs analysis and MRV for sport is that once you really have what will give you the best rate of return kind of dialed in on, mm-hmm. then perhaps the rest of your training can be filled with things that you enjoy that don't really cause fatigue or you leave the gym, you have less time in the gym because let's just say, you know, going back to that sleep example, you might not have the energy to go in or the time if you're getting really low sleep, I would presume maybe like work or life is, is taking up a lot of your time. Maybe you can still go in and do like one or two things that you need, mm-hmm. keep those things around so that when you are feeling better, life's a little bit more balanced, you come back and you have uh, less of a, a, a deficit to overcome. Mm-hmm. You might have no deficit at all, or you might uh, be actually uh, better than where you were prior because you kept going in and doing the work. And that's that's the great thing about the following landmarks is, you know, uh, MV, MEV, MAV, MRV, is that these can change over time depending on what's going on in your life, but keeping track of them really allows you, and again, gives you a sense of confidence in, uh, I'm doing what I need to be doing at this moment. I don't need to be doing more. I don't necessarily need to be doing less. I can change this depending on where mm-hmm. I am in my life and what my current goals are depending on what life can handle. Because that's the so Actually, this is going a little outside of these podcasts, but I hear Eric Helms talk about a lot. It's like he always starts with what can the schedule fit yeah. and works from there. But many times people try to fit the schedule to their to what mm-hmm. program or what they want to do. Um, and then things... You just up, get frustrated. Yeah, and frustrated. Things come off the wheels. You, you don't recover. You may get injured. Um, but you could have much more. And, you know, we're all about sustainable training. Sustainable and very good progress by making sure you're fitting it to your schedule first. And if you're a coach as well, just even having that communication with your clients. Like, let's say your clients aren't putting in all of their results from their training. I just want to say, sorry, sorry. Super squeaky. we're in some very uh, creaky chairs. So um, sorry if you hear a lot of creaking going on. Comfy, but creaky. Yeah. Um, is that if you notice your clients are not getting to all of their results and then perhaps just missing sessions, you know, maybe just communicate to them like, hey, you don't have to get to all of this. Let me know what works for you, how much time mm-hmm. you have, and make an, adjust, uh, make an adjustment. Because it's very easy when you get out of a rhythm or I have not as much, I've not experienced, actually, no, I have experienced this in my own training, but I've definitely seen in clients that when they can't do things with a certain frequency or with the total duration of a training session that they had in the past, that it's like an all or nothing. They're, they're not yeah. used to just going in and doing what they need to improve or what they need to keep momentum going. And, and just being able to communicate that, about that with, with your clients is big because your clients might end up having this uh, sense of guilt, like they're not accomplishing what you want to have uh, be completed when in fact, if you just adjust what needs to be completed to their schedule, everyone uh, ends up winning and feels better. It just comes down to like improved communication, mm-hmm. 
and, and and this a lot of this you know even though in the first couple podcasts we ever recorded we didn't talk about necessarily the following landmarks it's really just an emphasis the emphasis of your goals um and uh maybe what you're currently doing uh, outside of training at the time mm-hmm. and knowing that you have to some sometimes you can emphasize a certain training attribute or or even emphasize like lots of work put in because outside stressors are less uh, but there's going to be times where you have to de-emphasize so you can kind of take that concept out of training and towards life as well and setting everything up yeah and you know i think if we were to give some examples of that let's just say that you have a really busy time in, in your life and you have to improve on strength well you could get rid of all other volume mm-hmm. and work on lifting heavy load mm-hmm. or you could because if life is stressful you might need to uh, save some mental energy you might not feel motivated to lift heavy maybe you can like use pauses in your lifts whether it's like a bench or a pull or a mm-hmm. squat or tempos so the absolute weight comes down you don't have to warm up as long but the intensity is still, but the intensity is still there uh, these are, are little tricks, or or you can even still do volume, just improve technique, or short rest times, or short rest times. So there's, there's many things that you can do, and, and if you're not aware of how to do that yourself, you know, definitely communicate with your coach, um, because you'd be surprised not just what you what attributes you can keep around if you're squeezed for time, but you can still make improvements as long as you know exactly where to focus. Uh, so uh, you mentioned Kyle talking about uh, briefly just tracking and and being aware of what all is going on with training. Uh, We spoke with uh, Jacob Reed of Renaissance Periodization, largely talking about athlete tracking. And I think the biggest thing we we gathered there, and we've started doing this with clients, I'd like to find a way using the system that we use for people to be able to like each day almost like, because he spoke about questionnaires was Mm -hmm. like a big thing. We've tried that in the past. Well, it's hard when it's two separate systems. Yeah, so yeah. If, if our current system could have a questionnaire, meaning like the software where our athletes record their data, if we could have a questionnaire built in there, that'd be great. But something a little bit uh, easier to communicate about, even just like via email or we use a, a service called FitBot, hashtag plug, um, then they're, they're big enough. They don't need a plug well, from don't, us. Don't you have to be like get money from them or own part of the business to call it a plug maybe i've never said it that was my first time so how to feel not good use fitbot today (laughs) um but basically basically what i'm trying to say is that we've uh started communicating more about session rpe really the more we're talking i'm realizing that this is just like a lot of it has to be built on a solid foundation of honest communication with your, your athletes. Like if, if you don't have that, it's you're, you're really just kind of swimming in the deep. Mm-hmm. Um, well, and, and I thought it's similar to Gabrielle's episode is that, uh, Jacob was all about keep it as simple and as free as possible. Yeah. It doesn't have to be fancy session RPE for an endurance athlete, potentially some sort of heart rate, uh, that's more training based, mm-hmm. but then at the end session RPE again, uh, over time. Uh, and then he said, just tracking performance, uh, feedback mm-hmm. and, and where the session RPE comes into play and what that is all about is making sure that what is written on the program meaning the coach's intention for that session is actually what's being perceived by the athlete mm-hmm. you don't want to look at an individual day because that 
is just not the way to gather data, but on a longer trend, if you were to line up your RPE for that session, you the coach, and you see corresponding RPEs from your athlete, you over time would want more of those client RPEs to match with the coach RPEs yeah. uh, so that like expectations meet the reality of yeah, the you, session. Yeah, you have a certain um, fatigue that you're trying to generate or certain adaptation trying to generate. Uh, and then you may think to yourself, well, how do I want this to feel? Mm -hmm. uh, and then if the athlete reports that the session was much harder than you thought, then you, you were maybe wrong or the athlete may be, uh, uh, un, like not in a recovered state to mm -hmm. perform. Um, and then uh, tracking those across time, the easy example is maybe like a mesocycle of four weeks. If you can see those session RPs creeping up each week as they likely should for a training cycle. Uh, and you know that also then performance starts decreasing maybe in the fourth week of the overload, and now it's time for a deload. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And I, I realize that a lot of listeners may not have that kind of periodized plan if they're doing things on their own. So just, just a, kind of a quick refresher, because this will go back even further. But when Kyle says volume landmarks, uh, basically what he's getting at, and, and something that's very important with programming um, this is basically you have a stress, a subsequent response to that stress, uh, and you, you adapt to it, but that that stressor gets harder over time. So we'll have athletes say in the first few weeks of their training cycle that it almost feels easy, and we'll often respond, well, that's good because now we can keep building mm -hmm. uh, so that you start with the minimum that you need to improve and you work up against the maximum that you can recover from. Not the maximum that breaks you, not maximum period, but the maximum that you can recover from. So that our clients start reporting, wow, I had previously had before, in my life before, uh, I had had like intermittent hard sessions. Like I did Murph and then couldn't walk for a week. But now if you understand these volume landmarks and start with your minimum effective volumes and intensities and you work up, then by the time you get to that overload, you really feel what hard training is supposed to feel like, mm -hmm. uh, which is a, a challenging thing to to get through, but it's how you how you get better in the long term. Cool. Next uh, next episode. So, I think you enjoyed our conversation with Alex perhaps more than any other episode, mm -hmm. just because I think you had a lot of questions about endurance and you felt like there wasn't anyone in the field to answer your questions. Yeah, so I've always felt like with endurance that, um, and you know, this is similar to strength training, but there's a lot more information. Or maybe it's just the field, like the people that I look to in the perspective that I'm in. There's a lot of strength training material out there. Uh, but, you know, for endurance, outside of very basic periodization, there's no, no nuance there. There's no way to say, uh, or how to adjust based on the athlete as much, uh, or how to structure a long-term plan outside of like again the very general stuff. So you know like why you would use a certain tool, but you know you perhaps were asking, well, how long should I use that tool? Mm -hmm. um, what are the detriments of using it too long, if any, uh, and perhaps how they can all come together. So, yeah. so let's let me let me ask you. What have you learned most? Because not only do we have Alex on the show, but you've had some follow-up consultations with him. What have you learned most from Alex Harrison, also of Renaissance Periodization? Hashtag club. 
Hashtag. <laughs> um, yeah. So one of the one of the biggest things was, and you know, I'd heard about about this before, was that uh, so high intensity interval training gives you the best aerobic adaptations. Mm-hmm. Uh, people may think, oh, that's anaerobic training. It's really all aerobic, and, and that's your best bang for your buck. And the reason uh, we have maybe like an 80-20 approach is because it allows you to accumulate the volume uh, that you need to have your best adaptations. Mm-hmm. So it's very similar to um, a g- good example is in strength training or, or uh, hypertrophy training is that 10 sets of three can give you the same hypertrophic response as three sets of 10. So 10 sets of three may take you like 45 minutes and three sets of 10 would take you maybe 15 minutes. Mm-hmm. Um, so it's a very similar example there. And the 10 sets of three mate is generating more fatigue. Uh, so you may not be able to train because as it, much. It would be heavier. Your three reps would yeah. be heavier than the 10. Yeah. Um, so, uh, in terms of endurance training, uh, the high intensity is just, it generates a lot more fatigue. Uh, so for an endurance athlete to accumulate the volume that they need to have their best adaptations, they need to have a low intensity training. Mm-hmm. Now, if you take that, you can wait. So let me. So I'm gonna slow you down. Cause yeah. So high intensity will give the adaptation that someone who trains uh, either for CrossFit or for a sport that requires higher intensity mm-hmm. anaerobic type output, mm-hmm. they need those adaptations but they can't always do it because of the fatigue that it creates. Mm-hmm. So you have low intensity that allows you to either practice your skill and still get in your volume and to recover mm-hmm. for the sessions that will actually create the physiological adaptation. Yeah, and, and one may be a little bit more um, uh, central adaptation, so more uh, cardiac output, which would be the higher intensity, and the low intensity may be more systematic peripheral. But they are, it's not that the adaptations are that different um, to where, like, by only doing one, you're going to get worse, mm-hmm. if that makes sense. Mm-hmm. Um, you could just do one. You would just have to think about, again, it comes to the context of the athlete. So what sport are they in? Uh, what are their goals? Uh, things like that. Um, yeah, so that's that's why you would have that uh dynamic there I guess. and so are you now challenging your crossfitters with as much high intensity as they can recover from rather than thinking of like an 80 20 is it more like is it are you finding it i mean i know it's still early on this wasn't this yeah. episode wasn't that long ago 50 50 depends on the athlete yeah and that that's something that i really enjoyed hearing alex say was that even for most of his athletes it ends up being 50 50 uh, just because, again, as we were talking earlier, time. you have time. You have yeah. to fit it to your schedule. Um, but, you know, the best athletes in the world, and this is where a lot of, the, funny enough, this is where a lot of the studies came from, are the best athletes who have the time to make that 80-20 split. Meaning the longer intensity takes a lot of time. A lot of time. Or, or low intensity takes a long did I, time. Did I say wait. Longer intensity. Oh, sorry. Low intensity yeah. takes a longer time. Yeah. And so these people who are the elite athletes, to be the to stay elite athletes, they need the split. But someone who is not does not have the time or maybe is not yet elite could get up there using maybe a, a different split mm-hmm. like that. And that's where I think there's the there are these misconceptions about high intensity. So in the example of like Matt Frazier... People would be like, well, oh, well, like you could, you could never train like Matt Frazier, and indeed, 
you couldn't keep up with him for his CrossFit Metcons, but then the amount of time that he's making to like, at the end of a day, he doesn't just relax in a sofa and watch television. Yeah. He ergs for two hours yeah. while he watches TV. That's that's the kind of low intensity stuff that most people. Uh, <laughs> why why well, would, and is we talking about? Why would you do that if that wasn't your goal? Well, and and we were talking about in terms of earlier more with nutrition that there's going to be specific cases. There's going to be people who can just who are good and that's the reason he's won the game yeah yeah, yeah. For like sure, he for sure. maybe he just has something to where he can't recover from these high intensities every day mm-hmm. but for the majority of the population that's not going to be a case uh and and you know a simple way to see this is just to track you know uh, it, it, this is more crossfit but if you're changing your workouts every week you can't tell as much but if you have maybe one or two workouts per week that you keep the same and you notice that you uh you know outs like you're not being able to repeat that performance um and you want to have something that's uh, you've done before, so it's not just like you're getting better at it itself. Mm-hmm. Uh, but that would be a very easy way to see, like, if you're recovering and actually getting better. Which, and just to kind of make sure that people are clear on this, so there, there is <clears throat> there is important there is a great significance to having uh, workouts repeat over mm-hmm. the course of a mesocycle to gauge improvement, but we shouldn't gauge your improvement based on having just done something and you're improving it because it was novel. Yeah. Something that you've had a history with, you've been, you've urged for years and now we're doing row intervals and mm-hmm. then your urging improves, whether that's like a time trial, or you're just yeah. actually adding more sets. Yeah. I don't know. I mean, you would also look at other things too. So you could look at like maybe their strength work. Is that, that going up week to week as well? Uh-huh. Um, Cause that would be another indication of recovery. You know, so- and also, sorry, just last thing would be, uh, the psychology of the athlete. So how are they reporting their, well, again, the session RPEs? Are they going up too fast, too mm-hmm. hard? Are they always nine or 10? Um, like they feel very fatigued after how are they feeling, how are they communicating to you outside of the gym? Mm-hmm. Uh, and maybe like you find every three to four weeks, you, you're like, they're feeling dead and they just naturally take like a, a low week without you programming it. And if you're just mm-hmm. doing maybe CrossFit or high intensity all the time, uh, and then that's like without knowing that you took some time off and now you come back kind of thing. Yeah. And, and while we're on this topic and, and we covered nutrition briefly, but maybe Kyle, you can speak to myths pertaining to body composition changes and high intensity exercise without any other considerations. Yeah. So, uh, for a long time, I guess it was it was thought that you know high intensity would be the best for body comp because it's shortest and you're burning more calories in a short amount of time per per per, time, per unit rel- of time per, per unit of time relative to the amount of calories that you burn in a lower intensity setting. Yes, uh, however, uh, it is also because it's so fatiguing uh, and it's endurance training is not uh, going to keep us around uh, or maintain as much muscle. Um, so. Actually, the best way to lose weight would be a combination of strength training and low intensity because the strength training, actually, the way that sets and reps work acts very similar to high intensity training in terms of uh, how it, it's at, you know, high intensity or intervals would be written like to where your heart rate would get really high and then it would come back down and then get really high and then come back down. And over time, you would uh, hit this kind of like um, uh, threshold or steady state type thing. And that can happen similar in uh, weight training because you're doing a set of 10 resting, mm-hmm. a set of 10. And that's similar to, to an interval, 
But the benefit of uh, weight training or resistance training is that it's also going to have a hypertrophic effect where high intensity interval training would not. And then to, to increase your caloric deficit but not increase fatigue is where low intensity comes in. So it can expend a lot of calories, though it takes more time, um, and you can uh, still recover enough to have some hard weight training sessions. Mm -hmm. Now again, this would change based on your, your schedule. Um, so if you needed to, you could, you could fit in some high intensity sessions, but with, as with everything, just making sure you're recovering for, from week to week. Yeah. And, you know, I, I don't think people, uh, realize that the effort of cardio, and I think as it's become popularized with CrossFit and Orange Theory, yeah, I was just going to add in really quick as you were going that the slow intensity would be like 140 beats per minute lower. Yes. Around there. Yeah. And maybe for, you know, 20 minutes minimum, but like, you know, ideally. 20, like 30 minutes 30, or longer. Yeah, yeah. 30 minutes or longer. But that if you want uh, body composition changes, just make sure you're making an informed decision that involves not just the training in and of itself, yeah. but the full picture uh, that includes nutrition too. So, you know, you yeah, can, cause a lot of this would depend on, of course, what you're eating. Cause if you're eating too much, then you're not going to lose weight. Yeah. You can do whatever program that, that you'd like, uh, and be taking whatever supplements you want. But if, if you're in a surplus and your goal is, uh, to lose, uh, some body fat, then it just won't happen. So it's good to educate yourself on how this all comes together. Hopefully we've helped you a little bit with that. Uh, but yes. Yeah. And I was just going to add, uh, a little bit of, would caveat be the right word? Or uh, asterisk? I, um, maybe just like... Uh, and okay. a, and a, you have, a, you have aside. an aside? Aside. Is that... It's it, not a caveat. And, and this is something... Uh, Cadaver? No. <laughs> this is something I talked about with Alex uh, in, in our uh, consultation. Dear... Was it Dear Alice? Was that the thing before you were born? You don't know about Dear Alice? No, like... Uh, talking about like... Uh, Alice in Wonderland? No, 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 no. Oh my gosh. You are young. But like, never mind. The audience will know. You won't know. Just look it up. But you're like, dear Alex. Anyway, they get it. Is that that love romantic movie? Just where the guy's like, no. he like makes her No, you're just too young. Okay. Um, anyways, what I was going to say was that, um, you know, we I was talking with Alex Harrison about all of these, uh, like, maybe optimal, uh, Zach's making me... Just keep talking. Don't go... Don't take I'm away just from typing docs. Okay. Well, let's do this after. Okay. No, let me let me just keep talking. He's looking up Dear Alice. Alice. Everyone's going to be like, I just wanted Kyle to... Scroll down. Go ask Alice. That's what it was. Okay, so you were wrong. So how did you even know? Well, it's a girl who, who develops a drug habit, and then she has someone to talk to so you have like this anonymous. So it was from uh, 1971. I don't know why I would remember that. So he's now reading from the Wikipedia page, acting like he knows. Well, no, what it's like it, basically if someone wants to journal it and you want it to be anonymous, you title it like "Dear Alice." It it comes from that. Oh, thank you. Sorry. I think he only knows that because his uh, now wife is a very avid journalist no, and is. lover of no. uh, classic literature. No. So that's the only reason. He what do that. you What do you ask? What did you ask, Alex? Um, so, you know, we, we had all these, you know, this is what be, op this what might be optimal. This is 
maybe how you would set this up, depending on the context and situation of the athlete. Here's how I would do it. And then he also said, you know, all of this could be thrown away. Uh, and the example he gave is, you know, high intensity training or VO2 max training. Uh, you like he usually only does it for six weeks and then maybe sees the benefit go away. Um, and that's when you would transition yeah, to was, low was, intensity or lactate threshold. But he's like, if they're recovering and it's working, keep going. You know, mm-hmm. there may be no physiological reasoning that I can give you that um, would explain that. But if it's working, keep going. And if you're recovering, keep going. And um, you may never have to go to a low intensity phase. But you know? when I first, and I remember when you first told me that though, I was like, I would want to see their, I mean, of course they're outliers, but like, I'd want to see like a session RPE and the structure of the workout because they might be auto-regulating. And usually what you have in like a CrossFit setting where it's high intensity all the time is that people well, will self-adjust. Like they'll, 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 they'll t- tone down the intensity. But I, I think his point is still important. It's like, well, I think it's within the context of a coach-athlete relationship to where it's a, an athlete who knows what they're doing and a coach who knows what they're doing, not just a general class gym goer. No, but I think what I'm still saying is like, say you're giving someone, and what Alex was saying, just as a recap, is that he would train, and this would be like for, for endurance athletes to get a, a VO2 response, he'd go four weeks increasing sets per week on, on whatever particular interval that he has based on, on their their goal uh, and before a deload. And increasing that if in this or outline, not, ex- not increasing, or not extending it. And adding another meso. Adding another mesocycle of it if that athlete reports that they're feeling great. And and what my point is, is that that's well, it's not, it's helps not, to It's have, not only the athlete reporting great, it's the performance. Well, that's what I'm saying. That's where yeah. session RPE and actual metrics matter because let's say yeah. the high intensity stuff you're doing is like uh intervals for 30 seconds or 60 seconds and you have no data they're like i'm feeling great more high intensity it's like yeah you have no idea what that data looks like yeah you know what i mean yeah i guess it was in the context within an athlete who is a committed athlete so that would kind of take that away i would think okay yeah i mean might be wrong good uh, to add in but uh but yeah so he i mean he did say that he would maybe only do one but you could do two or three and then maybe transition from there. You might want to go back to touch on low intensity because you just did your hardest cycle or lactate threshold uh, and then just fluctuating these intensities. And uh, I also asked, interesting enough, how, what would you match these cycles with in terms of strength training for concurrent training? Um, and the general answer was, you know, just from general periodization that the low intensity would be the hypertrophy because it's going from highest volume uh, and then like lack of threshold, maybe with strength, because now you're like mm-hmm. increasing intensity, lowering volume and the high intensity would be with the, like maybe doubles or triples or singles, because now you're just going from high volumes to high intensities. But yeah. if you have an athlete who maybe has adequate muscle mass, they could always stay in strength. Uh, or if they have adequate, like you're for some reason, want to really increase their absolute strength, you could stay there. Um, he, he was saying that there may not be necessarily a physiological reason that you might do one over the other. Some of them maybe match up a little bit better, but you can make the reasoning for, for either. And, and, and just to touch on like the, that, the basic programming aspects that, that we might take for granted when we explain this, that Kyle was mentioning is that high intensity, uh, interval training might not work well with higher volume type hypertrophy slash bodybuilding training because they're both the most fatiguing they're, they're yeah. yes and it's a similar kind of, of mm-hmm. fatigue so 
you would you would pair your training stressors such that the fit well that there was fatigue management and mm -hmm. that's really ultimately what it is that's what program that's what periodization is ultimately uh, one thing that I, I really like what he says that when you do keep things the same whether it might be uh, an imam and you're gradually increasing the repetitions of a particular type of crossfit skill movement or let's just say you have like handstand push-ups wall balls and bro and you add to that over four weeks or if you have run intervals and you add a set to that each week and this totally makes sense but it was just nice for me to say this is that your vo2 has to be going up if your performance results are improving yeah it really you can't well and it's if you're training at some around 90 percent of vo2 max where they're it's going up and it's going up yeah. and to hear that and get that reminder you're like oh okay because yeah. it's nice to have like you can go out and buy the expensive tech and you know go to like mm -hmm. a local university and get your VO2 done professionally, but it's nice to know and be reminded of those simple uh, um, realities of, of mm -hmm. consistent hard training or, or smart training and smart programming. Yeah. I think that's, uh, well, just I guess then we add on was what the last little touch of his podcast was the importance of relative strength for endurance. Oh, yes. Uh, just that uh, re relative to one's body weight, especially yeah, relative to one body weight. So um, you can have strength that is you can be uh, strong relative to your body weight. You can be strong relative to your rep max. Uh, so we just want to be clear on, on what we mean there. And what Alex was getting into is that you often see, especially on social media, a lot of these fanciful ways of improving power and speed yet someone might not have the requisite strength the mm -hmm. foundational like squat lift push yeah. pull to be able to safely uh, and or even just express ex express the highest output yeah, yeah so, so but uh, i would just go listen to the podcast for maybe some of those uh numbers that he was yeah, all this is prefaced by you know definitely go listen to those those shows yeah. um, but maybe meet zach Ooh, that's hard that's hard. Every day, if only you all were here. It's just, he's a tough love kind of guy. <laughs> Our on-site athletes know this. Oh, I was going to say something. Uh, actually, speaking about um, the importance of, uh, you had said, like, with, at one point, intensities with your, your sessions in the cardio realm of things, is that when we're talking about imams, and I just spoke to our, our on-site athletes about this during a class this week because you, you had written in for like a, a moderate load and the, the mm -hmm. exercise remained the same but we were adding some volume just reiterating that hey, when you do an imam the load should not really be too much of a, a stressor there like it's can you have repeated mm -hmm. hard bouts of training mm -hmm. so if, if you if you as a coach are writing an imam uh and and you are uh, prioritizing load. Well, it's just an easy way to say it is that whether it's intervals or EMOM or anything that's repeated is that you should be able to repeat it for the, uh, across all the sets that you're doing. Yes. Yeah. That you is don't want to choose something, especially for intervals and say it's 10 by one on one off. You wouldn't want to go so hard in the first interval that you couldn't do it in the 10th interval. There may be a little bit change. And Alex actually said no more than 10%, but other than that, that's fine. 
um, except for uh, if you're at a very, and this is something else I talked to him about, unless you're in a very specific cycle, maybe right before competition, where you need to just like push your highest intensities before you deload, or you might do something that's like 30 seconds all out, like balls to the wall uh, for six sets, even though your six set is going to be significantly slower, just hitting that like pain threshold and intensity that has there is some researchers show that that can push like kind of top off the engine you know kind of like get that nitric oxide in there uh but that would be you would save that and maybe only do it for two weeks one other thing one other thing for the 10th other thing that we've added mm -hmm. yeah yeah i think you were speaking uh about starting with intervals this is a little bit slower than you had approached intervals in the past and building momentum to a higher RP over time. Mm -hmm. Talk. Wait, sorry. I got distracted. You, 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 <laughs> you, you. You ah, have been what's so... Therapy? What? What's there? What, what, what was the question? You had been so excited to tell me about how you were dialing down your initial interval intensities. Yeah, so I you just wanted to be repeatable across... But that's sets. something that you've changed in your training. Yes. You, 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 in hindsight, were doing your interval, hitting your intervals perhaps too hard with maybe too much of a drop-off. Mm -hmm. So you are now doing intervals starting with a lower RPE and building momentum across weight. So as to ensure that by the time you were overloading or getting to that hardest interval in the last week, mm -hmm. you can still repeat your efforts. Mm -hmm. Cool. Yep. All right. Great. Hopefully we'll have some more of these kind of podcasts and review type things. Refle it's a reflection episode. Oh, a reflection episode for you guys. So we can uh, just summarize the last or couple podcasts that have been on. Uh, so if you haven't had time, you can find maybe which ones you're most interested in and go back and listen. Uh, but as always, leave us questions and comments because we'd like to be able to, you know, answer those and maybe eventually do a Q&A of sorts. Mm -hmm. And... Uh, Make sure to like us on Instagram, Facebook. You don't like on it. You follow on Instagram. You can't like. Well, it. you can like a picture. Yeah, but you would want them. We don't want. We don't want you liking our photos and following us because okay. you don't know what's going on. Um, so follow us as well, and uh, <laughs> I think that's it for today. Uh, yeah, we're in uh, just kind of like letting them know more about like all of our lives. Um, well, I will say that we're going to start being more frequent on YouTube, hopefully mm -hmm. more infographics, mm -hmm. and uh, yeah, just more content in general. Yep. Uh, Kyle and I yeah. are housemates now. We are. Um, so we're doing this from my living room, which is upstairs from his house. He yeah. lives downstairs. And it's not connected, though. And Becca has a new house. Becca has a There's a lot of things coming down the pipeline. Are coming up. I seriously don't know what that idiom is. What is it? I don't know. I think it's down the pipeline. It's coming down. Because can't pipelines only go down? Pipelines can only go down, but I don't know if it's different from this idiom. Is that true? There are a lot oh, of things. rivers can only go down. <laughs> <laughs> well, I, I mean, know. you can have a pipe that sends water up. With fresh well, like, uh, yeah, like the mail, you can set yeah. it up. Yeah. Huh. One thing I wanted to install in our house was one of those mail tube systems so I could send Zach messages. Hmm. Yeah. Yep. We have to figure out a knock system, too. Yeah. I was sending you an email last night, and I was going to say a, a, a two-heel tap is check your email. <laughs> but I could just go outside and tell you. 
All right, guys, we're, we're just rambling now, so we'll, we'll sign off. Thank you for listening to the episode. And again, do all those social media things <laughs> so I don't say it wrong. And uh, give us a review on the podcast. See ya. Bye.